it's time for Silver and Black Today Game Day. We're breaking down the Raiders' upcoming game and bring you in-depth analysis from National Football Insiders. Let's get the nation fired up. Here are your hosts, Scott Gobranson and Mo Moten. Good Sunday morning, Raider Nation. Welcome back. Silver and Black Today Game Day here on 1140 The Bet and also our sister station 98.5 The Fan here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Scott Branson, Maurice Moten with you. Mo is the senior NFL writer over at Bleacher Report. We are here to talk about Raiders football. And I don't know, Mo, uh, kind of a slow news week in Raider Nation, wasn't it? Really? I mean, yeah, I, I, don't, I didn't hear anything going on, you know, Friday or, or Thursday or anything. I was just... You know, everything was peachy, it I was thought. peachy. The game is today. Oh, well, no, the game is not uh, yesterday uh, on Saturday. In fact, it, it, it was postponed to Monday, of course. We're going to get into all of that. So much to get through this morning, and we appreciate you guys being with us. Grab your cup of coffee. Grab your anger over the NFL reschedule. Swallow that, maybe. Follow it with your coffee. Relax, enjoy the conversation today as we talk about Raider football. Just a reminder, you can follow Mo on Twitter. You got to do this. Mo covers the entire NFL as well as the Raiders. And you can follow him at Mo Moton, M O E M O T O N. Also, you can follow me. I am at L V Gully, G U L L Y. Check out silverandblacktonight.com. In addition to reading Mo on Bleacher Report, you can also check out, uh, in fact, a column he wrote yesterday about this Raider situation with the COVID rescheduled for Monday. And that is up on vegassportstoday.com, where he also contributes Raider content as well. So make sure. You check that out uh, uh, as well. So, okay, Mo, let's dive into this because this whole COVID, con- I call it a controversy now because not that COVID is a controversy, although it is in some ways, um, but the COVID outbreak we've seen in the NFL this past week, of course, you have the uh, the Raiders and the Browns game um, suspended and then moved to Monday, tomorrow night. Then you have the Rams and Seahawks and the Eagles and the Washington football team. So we've had this outbreak uh, across the league, and so the league has had to move uh, games, including the Raiders. Now, if we look at the, the Browns, we'll stick first with the Raiders situation, and we'll get to the rest of the NFL in just a moment. But if you look at the Raiders situation, the Raiders were on – the bus or getting on the bus to go to the airport in Las Vegas to head out to Cleveland on Friday morning. Uh, they still had not gotten any word, even though we knew Thursday night that the the Browns had upwards of 20-plus players that were going to be ineligible to play because of COVID close contact or positive COVID tests, and the Raiders still hadn't heard anything about the game. So they're on the tarmac or getting close to the tarmac, and then the NFL makes the call to delay the game to Monday, sparking outrage by the players on the Raiders and other players across the NFL. K.J. Wright, the linebacker, and you can find this tweet in Mo's column up on VegasSportsToday.com as well. Quote, I pay my player dues just to get lied to in the rules bent at NFL, at NFLPA. If it was the other way around, I swear we would be playing tomorrow. So that's K.J. Wright, in essence, alleging that, hey, if this was the Raiders that were in this situation, uh, the the NFL wouldn't have moved the the game, Mo. So let's start there because the premise of your column yesterday on VegasSportsToday.com was, do the Raiders have a legitimate gripe 
the complaints not only from the players, but owner Mark Davis um, and others in the organization have been very public about the fact that they don't believe it's fair that they got one late notice and then two, that the game is being moved two days until tomorrow on Monday night, uh, which is going to be a 2 p.m. Pacific start time. Uh, great for those of us on the Eastern time zone, but for those folks in the West Coast, uh, they're going to be at work. Uh, so, so Mo, when you look at this, do they have a legitimate gripe? If they do, what do they what do they look at and say, yes, absolutely, the NFL may be hypocritical here, but then what maybe are fans misunderstanding and thinking there's a gripe when there's not? First of all, I want to preface this show by saying we are not doctors. We don't give official medical <laughs> advice. <laughs> no, exactly. Just want to put that out there. But uh, just to get into the column, into the column, um, I I saw KJ Wright's tweet. I saw Casey Hayward's tweet, and I immediately went back to the memo mm-hmm. that the NFL put out on Tom Pelissero of NFL Network. He put out excerpts, basically laying out what the league was going to do if there was an outbreak. And it clearly states that the commissioner is going to use his discretion in certain situations when there's a medical, a quote unquote medical issue. And that medical issue is when you have players testing positive, uh, I guess, a day before the game. Because last year, that's what happened. When you when games were moved, it was because you had on, ongoing positives coming in. And the logic behind that is you don't want a team that's still producing positives playing another team that's not producing positive because you're going to spread the virus. And then that other team is going to have a, an outbreak. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to stop the spread. So I get what the NFL is doing and postponing this game because – the Raiders would be in the same situation as the Browns are in right now if those two teams play and you're still producing positives. You're going to have an outbreak. So I, I tell fans this, that it, you know they wanted the game to be played, and I get it, but again, the Raiders would have probably been in the same situation the Browns are in right now with a COVID outbreak, multiple players out, if the Browns are still spreading it. Because remember, Kareem Hunt and Jadavion Clowney, they were put on the COVID list Friday afternoon. Right. You know? right. So obviously, this is an ongoing thing. Where I feel for people, the people who were traveling to the game, and I know mm-hmm. our, our buddy Evan Grote of Just Pie Baby said that he thought about it. Imagine if he, you know, planned to go to the game, and now you, you know, we can't move our as average citizens, we can't move our schedule around like the NFL can. Right. You know, that's their job. They're good. They can move around the schedule and, and jimmy things and make things work. We working people, we have nine to five jobs. We got kids, girlfriends, wives, whatever. We have things to do. We can't move on our schedule that freely. So I feel for those people. Yeah. And that you, and really quick, now that you bring yeah, it up, yeah. I feel like the NFL should have came out with a decision a little quicker. You don't want to wait till a team is about to board a you know, board plane to, to you know go to a game and then you say, Wait, wait, hold up, hold up, pull it back. I mean the NFL should have <laughs> I think the morning of the morning of Friday they should have made a decision no and if you're gonna if you're gonna side on the uh, on this or you're going to to judge it and go on the side of caution which i'm totally in favor of right totally fine mm-hmm. uh then you make the call earlier versus later and so so i think the le- the legitimate gripe here is the raiders were like getting on the bus i mean that's ridiculous the fact that you're traveling all the way to the east coast to the eastern time zone from the pacific time zone that, to me, was the gripe. K.J. Wright's tweet, I think, I, I take a little bit of issue at, and I think I'm just going to chalk it up to um, just misinformed. I don't think he understood the rule and what it meant, right? And I think that's where most people are. And so I don't get angry at it and say, oh, you're wrong. I just say, well, listen, you don't understand because that's the first thing I started pointing out, Mo, as you went through and I saw you in social media trying to educate people as well, which is 
The NFL only brings the forfeit into play with unvaccinated players. If you had a, a huge outbreak because of that, number one, which you knew you weren't going to have because, in essence, uh, they kind of made people get the vaccine anyway, right, for the most part. Right. So you had that, number one. Number two was it only said that if you could not reasonably reschedule the game within the 18-week season, okay, because they didn't want to delay the playoffs. You cannot delay the Super Bowl. I was on the Playmakers on 1140 The Bet, as I do every Friday night, Talking Raiders, uh, with Lindsay, and I told her, I said, look, here's the deal. You can't, if you, you have to forfeit a game because you cannot move the Super Bowl, you cannot move the playoffs the way things are in the season set up. So you had to reschedule this game. Raider fans were angry. Well, now we have less time to prepare for the following week. And you brought it up in your column. It's a point I made yesterday uh, or such that, yeah, on Saturday and on Friday as well, which is the fact, Mo, that look, the Browns have less time. <laughs> they exactly. play, they play on Christmas Day a day earlier than the Raiders right. and you could say well yeah but they have their outbreak well is that their fault do we know that that, that that they got positive tests because they broke protocol we don't know that and mo the one thing i want to do here in the segment too and i agree with you fans going to games i understand that and i feel for them totally but at the same time you know i could be in las vegas and being headed to cleveland uh, on Saturday, yesterday, uh, for the game, let's say, right? I'm spending my own money to go to the game, and so now I can't go. I could have also done that, and there could have been a snowstorm and my flight canceled. So, look, all kinds of things can happen, but I do feel for Raider Nation because they, they do come out. A lot of them were going to Cleveland, and now they have to change their plans or they're not going to be able to go. But I do want you to touch on a little bit of the point that you made regarding um, the the players, because the players were very vocal about it, and I understand that. The forfeit situation, the players, I don't think they realized that, hey, if the Browns had had to forfeit, the players themselves on the Raiders would have been forfeiting their game check. Exactly, and that's what I laughed at. I'm like, I, I'm Darius Slade was the one I picked up on and the one I put it in my column, and he's like, I thought people had to forfeit. And I saw other players saying, I thought that teams had to forfeit if they don't have enough players to play and suit up. And I'm like, do you guys not want to get paid? <laughs> you mean to tell me you want to go through a whole week of practice and then you'd rather take the forfeit and not get paid? Yeah. I, I just didn't understand that. And I think it's what you said earlier. I think some players, and I chalk it up to not reading the fine print. Yeah. And I think this is emphasized on social media that, again, if there's a forfeit, Neither team gets paid. It's not just the Browns. Neither team gets paid. So you did all the right things. You don't have a COVID outbreak. You practiced all week and you don't want to get paid. Excuse yeah. me. Like who's who's in favor of that? And yeah. so, again, I think you just have to read the fine print, and understand what the memo said and how it breaks down. Because as you pointed out, the league is going to push to reschedule these games first. And if they can't reschedule, that's when they look at forfeitures for teams that have unvaccinated players that spread COVID-19, right. not vaccinated players. So, And, and this is this is the problem today. And I love I'm always a, a an early adopter of technology. I'm always someone who loves things that push the envelope ways we can communicate better. But unfortunately, and we saw this through this pandemic, right? And I said, we're coming out of the pandemic. And somebody, of course, went nuts on me saying we're coming out of it. Who says? Uh, anyway, so you can't you can't win, uh, as we know. But the thing about it is people get in bits of information and they run with it. It also underscores a narrative with some in Raider Nation, and I'm not going to say a majority because I don't believe it is a majority, who think that every decision that's made is because it's some bias against the Raiders, okay? 
I don't believe that. Now, I'm not saying the Raiders have gotten treated fairly. I can go back to the Gruden emails in the Washington football investigation. We got lots to talk about there, right? We could do that. And there's a point there. In this case, Mo, I don't think the Raiders are at a big competitive disadvantage. I think it was inconvenient. It was bumbled. It was communicated poorly by the league. But I don't think it puts them at a competitive disadvantage. What puts them at a competitive disadvantage is losing five of six and only scoring 17.2 points a game. Oh, man, that shot to the heart there. I'll say this. (laughs) I'll say this, and I, 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 I get where the angst from Raiders fans is coming from because they're looking at last year's game and saying, well, yes. we had a situation where we had a game pushed up. Like mm-hmm. when, did, when does you know this happen? How many games have been pushed up when a team's had issues with COVID? And I think that's – and I pointed this out in my comment. I said that was unfair. Yes. The league should have pushed that game back, not forward. Right. That I agree with fans saying that they got holes on that one. But I will also say on the other side of it is – that situation was different than this one because the Raiders actually Trent Brown tested positive for COVID and the other guys were close contacts. So the Raiders didn't have an outbreak. It was just guys had to isolate. So they weren't able to practice, but they, the offensive line played that game. They just didn't have practice that week. The Browns situation is way different because they actually have positive tests. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So again, as I said, the top of the show, the league doesn't want to spread the virus. So they're going to, try to keep the Browns away from the Raiders so the Raiders don't have the same problem next week. Right, and the one thing I'll say too, and you, I agree with you, and I said it last year, I thought moving the game up was unfair. It's absolutely, when every game that had some sort of COVID issue last year was moved back, right? right? And I understood, look, it was a TV game, so they had to make plans. That's fine. So then you put them on Monday and you put them at one o'clock in the afternoon, whatever you, whatever you got to do. I don't care if it's a crappy time, but they should not have had to play early. Uh, so, so I agree with that. At the same time, that was because I really believe that was the the NFL treating the Raiders unfairly on purpose because the Raiders were violating and had had repeatedly violated COVID protocols last year, right? And I was very, I got a lot of heat last year being on state-run media, being on Raider Nation Radio at the time, the team station, and because I was the only person saying, yeah, they deserve punishment because they're not following the rules, right? But But you're absolutely right. And I think this time it's just different. I understand... People who don't quite understand the rule, uh, why they jump to that conclusion. But I, I, that's why I wanted to spend this whole first segment talking about it and and read Mo's column because he really lays it out perfectly in there on why you should be angry and why you shouldn't be angry, which is up at VegasSportsToday.com. Also, tell us what you think. We're, we're watching our social media feed during the show at SNB tonight on Twitter. You can also check out our Facebook page, which is Silver and Black Today as well. And you can leave comments there. Mo and I will jump in. Uh, if, you, if, you're, if you're not a wackadoodle, we will respond to you on Twitter. If you're one of these crazy people who want to go back to the fact that I was a Charger fan as a kid and you can't get over that after four and a half years of covering the team, yeah, I'm not going to respond to you because you're, you're a douche. But other than that, um, we will respond to there. So we appreciate you doing that. All right. Well, Mo and I are going to step aside for a quick break here, pay some of the bills around this station. Yes, we have to pay some of the bills. Uh, but when we come back, we'll talk a little more about this, but we're also going to talk about the Raiders on the field. Of course, we, we we didn't lead off talking about last week's game. I know everyone wants to forget that game, and many have now because of this Brown situation, but we haven't. We're going to talk about the Raiders versus the Chiefs. We're going to talk about why the Raiders didn't show up again, what issues continue to plague the team, how far are they different from the Chiefs talent-wise to win this division, where do the Raiders need to go. We're going to talk all about 
the football on the field. You're listening to the Silver and Black Today game day. Mo Moten, Scott Branson, don't go anywhere, Raider Nation. We're coming right back here with more Raider football on a Sunday morning. Raider Nation is fired up. It's Silver and Black Today game day. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, game day here on The Fan in Las Vegas. Also, 1140 The Bet for our East Coast listeners early on this Sunday morning. A Sunday morning where we thought we'd be talking about the result of the Raiders-Browns game, but no, it gets moved to Monday. Don't be so angry. Let it go. There's football coming tomorrow. It might be early for the folks on the West Coast. It might be just right for dinner time and getting off the clock on the East Coast Either way, the Raiders will be playing tomorrow in Cleveland against the Browns, and we're here to talk about it. Scott Branson, Mo Moten with you. We want to talk this segment and go back a little bit. Forget the COVID controversy, the delay in the game. We'll talk a little more, too, at the end about that as we talk about the Raiders versus the Browns, and we preview that game uh, in our final segment coming up after the next break. But, Mo, I want to switch back to the Raiders versus the Chiefs last week, the 48-9 to embarrassment um, in Arrowhead Stadium, the Raiders dropped to 500 uh, and and just looked terrible once again. No offense to speak of. If you look at the Raiders uh, last week and you look at what they did, uh, they did not play the two high safety defense more than 28% of the time in Week 10. And last week, it was only 24% of the time, despite the fact that most teams play it 40% of the time against the Chiefs to try to slow down Patrick Mahomes. You had exactly, again, 17 points. It was the worst loss in the Chiefs-Raiders rivalry in the history of the rivalry for the Raiders. The Raiders outscored by 66 points by one opponent in a season. It's the first time that's happened since the Bills were outscored by 77 points against the Patriots in 2007. And and the Raiders now have the second tied for the second most games with 16 or fewer points. Uh, The Texans have eight of them. The Raiders are tied with the lowly Jaguars who just fired their coach, Urban Meyer, with seven games. Mo, it's hard to find the positives when you look at this Raiders offense and what's going on. Of course, Hunter Renfro sticks out. Yes, he does. He's about to get double teamed um, until the end of the season uh, because he's the only guy doing anything on that offense. But you look what happened at Kansas City. I mean, what, what can you take positively from that game? And what is the biggest concern for this offense as it closes out this yet again another disappointing season? Wow, you just asked me what positives can I take? And I guess you just, from the offense, I guess you just highlighted Hunter Renfro. Other than that, I mean, you really can't say much. I know a lot of people want to blame Derek Carr. I'm not going to put Derek Carr at the top of the blame list for this one. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was sacked, I believe, four times. I, and again, I'm just kind of disappointed. Not kind of, I am disappointed in Brian Edwards so far because I, I felt like he was the guy, and I wrote a column about this on uh, Vegas Sports Today. I thought he was going to step up after uh, the Raiders like call him, Henry Ruggs and you know, Deshaun Jackson trying to get his footing in the offense. I thought it was time for Brian Edwards to kind of break out. He just hasn't done that. And there there aren't, to be honest with you, there aren't much positive outside of Hunter Renfro. Andre James settled in that center. Mm-hmm. And Colton Miller's, Colton Miller's always been solid on the left side. But other than that, you're looking around, you're thinking, do the Raiders have to reconstruct their offensive line? Because I don't believe that John Simpson is a surefire starter next year. Uh, Alex Leatherwood has struggled moving inside. He's a little slightly, maybe slightly better at right guard than right tackle. But uh, there was a report. Vic Tafer had a report out a 
couple of weeks ago saying that they're going to move him back to right tackle. So mm. he can't even get comfortable at right guard. And then they got to replace Brandon Parker. So they're going to have to restructure their offensive line. They're going to have to bring in one or two wide receivers. I put out an article in Bleacher Report saying that the Raiders should go after Allen Robinson the second because he's an established guy. It's not someone you're going to have to wait to develop. He can come in right away and have a rapport with Derek Carr, whoever your quarterback is. But they're going to have to do some things on offense. And I, I think at the beginning of the season, I said this. I said their offense is going to take a step back with that offensive line. I think it starts there. Yeah, no question. And and you look at you talked about Brian Edwards uh, and, of course, Hunter Renfro having these these last three weeks have been just unreal. And I think shows the kind of player he can be. And we all thought he would be. Uh, and, and the NFL no longer is going to be surprised by by Hunter Renfro. But you look at that. And, and we'll talk about Derek Carr in a minute, of course, everybody's favorite subject. But when you look at that wide receiver Cormo, of course, the, the loss of Henry Ruggs hurt. But you look at Zay Jones, you look at Brian Edwards, uh, and, and Deshaun Jackson, a little bit of a separate case. But you look at these guys, you know, Brian Edwards, um, you know, I'm not a guy who thinks that he should be a shoe in to make the team next year because he hasn't shown consistency. I'm not saying, you know, early on he made some big, big catches, especially late in games and in overtime uh, when the Raiders were on that nice little run to start the season. But you just don't see consistency out of him. And that's what it's about in the NFL. You can't just flash brilliance two or three games a year and stay and get another contract in the NFL. So you look at that right side of the offensive line absolutely has to be completely remade in my view uh and then you have to look at the wide receiver role and then let's not even get started on tight end we'll save that for another time so so you look at that situation mo this offense coming into the season you and i were talking about the offensive line continually uh, everybody said oh we don't have to worry about the off- offense is great we're good now that had henry ruggs i understand and it had darren waller which everybody thought he would be uh, a player who would never get injured and of course he has gotten injured so you look at that situation, the offense is exactly the opposite of what people thought it was going to be. It's in need of players all over the roster. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you talk about, you see, you touched on Darren Wall there. And I will say, remember when the Raiders had their stretch and they were kind of up and down and we were saying, wow, the Raiders offense is moving the ball and Darren Wall is not even spectacular. Mm-hmm. Like he has 200 plus yard games and he has a 92 yard game and the rest of his games, 65 yards are under. So he hasn't been spectacular even when he was healthy. Like he he's had some great games. He had a few great games, but again, not spectacular. So, and Foster Moreau, I know you say we're going to get into the tightest position all the time, but I just want to dip into it. Foster Moreau. Like I thought he would step up a little more and the Rays would use two tight end sets to feature him, but his, his blocking has been a disappointment. And he, he just hasn't blossomed the way we thought he would. So, as you said, the offense has to be redone. And it starts, again, it starts with the offensive line. If you have a better offensive line, you have a better run game. And I, that's where I think the Raiders would get some balance and have, a, again, a more efficient offense in 2022. Right. And I know it's sacrilege. I know people will, will throw hate at me and tell me that I am a uh, an, an idiot or whatever you want to call me. <laughs> Job. Plenty of people who, who are out there call me things. Um, but I don't see paying Darren Waller at this point. How can you pay him? I don't care how much raw talent he has and how much brilliance he's shown in flashes. But to your point, there has not been the consistency there. There has been injury issues. Uh, and some people in Raider Nation will blame the quarterback, which I don't think is the issue. Some people will say he gets double team, triple team. Yeah, so does Travis Kelsey. I know that hurts because it's the Chiefs and you all hate the Chiefs. I understand that. But Travis Kelsey against the Chargers this week. Hello. 
190 yards. You don't think that they bracketed Travis Kelsey too? And what did he do? He just broke it. Uh, and and so yes, with other weapons, Darren Waller uh, free, gets freed up a little more. But early in the season, to your point, Mo, there were plenty of times when Henry Ruggs was on the field. They had their full complement of people. And that didn't happen either. So, so I, what I'm saying is, I like Darren Wall. I mean, what an amazing story, human being, and the talent is undeniable. But there hasn't been consistency. And you talked about Foster Moreau, same thing. So, I am not convinced the Raiders have all the pieces they need. And I'm not convinced, and I would not, and they should not give Darren Waller a massive contract yet because he's got to go out and prove it and show the greatness before you can pay somebody that kind of money. Yeah, it, that's a tough one. I, I, you can I'm disagree with side. me. I'm yeah, just saying. I'm on, the, I'm on the other side. I think you have to pay him because on the, he has uh, okay. If you're gonna keep Carr there, mm-hmm. even if you're not gonna keep Carr there, right, and you upgrade, Darren Waller is right now on the roster. He's still their best weapon. No, tr- no question, no <laughs> he, question. So he, if he's if he has leverage right now, even though he's hurt and did, wasn't spectacular during the season. He has leverage right now. He can go to Reyes and say, look, I, I broke Tim Brown's record last year. I know it wasn't great this year, but I, I have a record. Yep. I Look what I did last year. And if I'm healthy, you know the type of player I can be. I don't think the Raiders have a choice. If he goes, you know, if he goes in and says, I want a new deal, I think they have to give it to him because who else are they going to depend on if he walks out or if they want to trade him? Yeah, what no, are that- they going to do? That's fair, and I understand that. So, so if they gave him a contract, I just think that the contract itself, though, I don't think. So, so Mo, you would give him, you can pay him, and I'm totally, I get that, I, I could be on board with that. But are you going to give him as much money that makes him the second highest paid tight end in the game? Do you? I I would probably have to at this mm, point because okay. if you're if you're saying, look, the other alternative is we have to trade him or let him go. Yeah. What you don't want to do, and the Raiders made this mistake when John Gruden got there, is let good players go. Mm-hmm. Do not let good players go. I understand players have down years, and they may not be worth fully the contract that they're signing. But you're signing that player with the understanding that, look, the Raiders are going to have a lot of cap space uh, in 2022, assuming that Derek Carr doesn't break the bank, and I don't think he will. I don't think Derek Carr is going to get $40 million a year. I just don't think that's happening the way he's playing right now with his results. Now, you could say it's his fault or it's not his fault. When it comes down to the negotiating table, it comes down to your numbers on the paper, whether it's your fault or not. He's not getting $40 million a year. So he's not going to hamper the Raiders' cap space to the point where they can't sign other good players who may be signing above their above their value, or slightly above their value. So I think Darren Wallace, they're going to have enough cap space to splurge a little bit. And why not splurge on your best offensive player, who is Darren Waller right now? So I think, mm. again, I just don't think you have a choice. If you have to pay for him versus letting him go, you pay him. Yeah, and and so that's fair. I I, get, I can be on board with that. So so good point, Mo. Uh, and I agree with you on Foster Moreau. Just hasn't shown it um, to me yet. Uh, and and for all the talk and and all the build up, uh, we haven't seen it. And the and the pass blocking and the run blocking, all the blocking, which he was so good at at LSU, is just not there either. So I, I just don't understand what's happened in there. But maybe maybe with the new coaching staff, who knows? Maybe they can they can get it out of him. Um, you brought up the Derek Carr situation, so let's go there, right? Uh oh, here we go. Uh-oh. Um, I, I wrote up on VegasSportsToday.com. It was time for an amicable divorce, and it was better for both sides. It was better because Derek Carr, good guy, good quarterback, he's been in this dysfunction his entire career. I think he deserves to go somewhere to see what he can do, number one. And number two, for the Raiders, I think it makes sense because you're going to bring in a coach. I, 
I don't have inside information, but I would say 80% chance you're going to have a new GM. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Mark Davis goes a different direction. He can do that. But, but if you have a new GM, a new coach, and a new staff, uh, and you want to build a long-term winner, do you want to do that around an eight-year, nine-year veteran quarterback who ultimately will be most likely on the downside of his career? Not that he's a bad quarterback. Again, Derek Carr is a good quarterback. But if you're going to build for the future, and depending on what kind of system you have, right, and what kind of coach you get in here, why would you do that? Why would you pay a guy? You said he won't get $40 million, but he probably is going to demand 30 okay? And so are you going to do that? Are you going to pay that? Even if Derek Carr takes that discount, it's still a lot of money. I think it's time for both to go the separate ways. Now, I'm going to play this clip. It's a little bit of a longer clip. And we're going to go a little bit longer in this segment because we're going to talk about this Derek Carr situation good and bad. But here is Colin Cowherd. I know how much Raider Nation loves Colin Cowherd. But Colin Cowherd talked about what the Raiders might get if they were to unload Derek Carr, who has a year remaining on his contract. So here's Colin Cowherd, and then we'll come back and we'll get comments on this. And uh, what is Derek Carr worth? Oh, a lot. A lot. Because we got nine teams, and I'm not counting Atlanta, who are looking for a quarterback. So there's a story this morning about Derek Carr. The Raiders hit a new low in Kansas City. Does Derek Carr deserve better? Yes, of course he does. Of course he deserves better than a classically dysfunctional NFL franchise. But Matt Stafford, who had two years left on his contract, did something about it. He went to ownership and just said, get me out of here. Two years left. Derek Carr's got one year left. Would he be willing to go to Mark Davis and say, get me out of here? Uh, Of course he deserves better. He's on his fifth head coach. It's the poorest owner in the league. There's been chaos in the front office. Um, What would he be worth? Oh, my gosh. I just wrote this down this morning. Washington, the Steelers, the Giants, Denver, Carolina, and the Saints would call. Houston, if they don't love these quarterbacks in this college draft, most don't, would call. Green Bay would call if Aaron Rodgers left. Seattle would call if Russell Wilson left. And I'm not taking shots, but I think Cleveland, if they could upgrade, would absolutely upgrade to Derek Carr. All right, Mo, there you go. Uh, Colin Coward. I don't agree much with Colin, and I know Raider fans think that he uh, has a lot of negative things to say about the franchise, and he had some there, which which aren't untrue. But the way he assessed the, the market for Derek Carr uh, and the need, and I agree with him from the perspective, of, hey, Derek Carr, Go, go do something somewhere, right? There's no indication that Derek Carr wants to leave the Raiders. He said it multiple times. He wants to finish his career in the silver and black. I'll take him at his word for that. But when you look at the situation, and as I, I led up to that, 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 that soundbite, um, do you think the market would be that big for Derek Carr should the Raiders look to go a different direction? Oh, absolutely. And I just want to be brutally honest. I'm going to be brutally honest with our audience and you right now. A lot of people want to blame Derek Carr when things don't go right. I get it because he's the quarterback. And, you know, quarterbacks get a lot of the blame. They get a lot of the praise, even though it's it can be unbalanced sometimes. But let's just say Derek Carr is drafted to an organization like the Baltimore Ravens, mm-hmm. the New England Patriots, the Indianapolis Colts, the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, those teams that are Green Bay Packers, teams that are perennially, you know, competitive in the playoffs. If he was drafted to any one of those organizations, franchises, Derek Carr would have some playoff wins. <laughs> and I say that painfully because I, you know, I, again, I grew up watching Raiders. I get it. But let's not try to act like the Raiders haven't been dysfunctional during his tenure. Correct. I'm not saying that's all 
the organization's fault why the Raiders haven't been successful. I'm not saying it's all Derek Carr's fault, but I'm saying it goes both ways. Derek yes. Carr, to me, and I've said this through and through every week, I say this when I get on the show, Derek Carr is a BB plus quarterback. You can get to the plus and win some planes with him if you have a strong supporting cast. And I said this in my Bleacher Report column last week. The Raiders have not been able to give him a superb supporting cast, which he needs to get there. And if you cannot surround him with a strong supporting cast then you're going to need a star quarterback to to mask some of your deficiencies and that's why i say the raiders should either a hold Derek carr draft the quarterback high or b just go for an upgrade and Mm -hmm. i and colin cowhart mentioned it if if russell wilson wants out he's not happy with with seattle i'm trying to get russell wilson if Aaron Rodgers is not happy in, in Green Bay after his after their playoff run, I'm going after Aaron Rodgers. Why? Because it's an upgrade. And I'm sure Raiders, some Raiders fans and Derek Carr lovers will say, no, that's not an upgrade. Look at Russell Wilson. He's not playing well. <laughs> you know, take Russell Wilson's best year and take Derek Carr's best year. Take Aaron Rodgers' best year and take Derek Carr's best year. Which quarterback are you taking? Not even close. Take Derek Carr's worst and take, and take Russell Wilson's worst. You know, so I, I'm just saying that if I can get an upgrade, I'm going for it. If I can't get an upgrade, then I'm at least drafting high at a quarterback just in case. If a team wants to call for Derek Carr, I have some options. I have some leverage. I can trade Carr. If the quarterback that I drafted, if I see something special in him, I can trade Carr and go with my young quarterback. If the quarterback that I draft isn't special, we roll it out with Carr. But we got to make sure if we're going to roll it out with Carr again, that general manager puts a strong supporting cast around him or else it's not going to succeed for the Raiders. Yeah. And and Mo, I think you make my point for me, which is I think that's why, look, Derek Carr wants to win. I don't have any question that he doesn't, he doesn't, that he wants to win. I mean, everybody, you don't play the game just to play the game. You played to win the game. Okay. So I understand that. And I think Derek Carr, um, looking at the situation, here we go. Another coach, another playbook. Um, I don't have the surrounding cat. I have no offensive line. If I'm Derek Carr, and I think that's what Colin Cowherd touched upon, he might pull the Matthew Stafford. Now, I, I know a lot of people, no, Derek loves the Raiders. He doesn't want to leave the Raiders. Guess what? You start to look at it and say, all right, now I'm in year nine. You know, if I'm lucky, barring any injuries, uh, maybe I got four or five years left. Okay. And that's a good long career in the NFL. If that's the case, why not go somewhere where he can look at a situation and say, hey, man, they got a team. I don't have to wait for an offensive line. Uh, the offense is similar, maybe, depending where he goes. Um, I can jump right in there. I have receivers. Uh, if it was Green Bay, I have Devonta Adams. I have these guys that I know, and and this team is ready to build. The organization's on, a, on good footing. It's not under a new president, under a cloud of financial issues related to accounting that the Raiders are under. I mean, I just think of it from that perspective. And then on the Raiders side of it, to your point, if I can upgrade or if I'm not going to upgrade Mo, I have to admit and say, hey, listen, you know what? We got work to do. We got a new coach. He has a new offense. Uh, and, you know, let's say it was an air raid type offense like they're running in Phoenix. Okay. If that's the case, then I need to go get a quarterback. Not a great quarterback in this year's draft. I know the kid out of Pittsburgh, people are falling in love with a little too much. But nonetheless, look, if that's the kind of thing you need to do, then why would you wait to 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 unload a quarterback who's been loyal to your franchise, who wants to win, who needs the opportunity to go make his money on his next and final contract? It just makes a lot of sense if that's the direction it goes. Now, if Mark Davis says, no, I'm keeping Mike Mayock, I'm keeping Derek Carr, I'm going to get a coach in here who's going to be able to fit Carr into the system, and we're going to go out and make some splash moves to get that offensive line better, and we're going to do this and do that. Okay, fine. 
But to your point, you have to know what you're, you know, after eight years, what Derek Carr is good at, what he's not great at, what he can elevate his team doing and what he can't elevate his team doing. And so to me, that's the, Mark Davis has a tough off season, Mo. He's got a lot of decisions to make. Yeah. And this is, I have a prediction. I have a prediction Sunday, um, December 19th. And this is, this is where I'm going with this two, two ways this could play out. I think Davis and Derek Carr sit down and talk, and I think Davis says, look, John Gruden, what happened with him wasn't Derek Carr's fault. Mm -hmm. What happened with Henry Ruggs wasn't his fault. Uh, The offensive line was revamped, reconstructed, not Derek Carr's fault. And I think he says, you know what? A lot of these things, outside of your control, Carr, I'm going to keep you. But look, if a team offers us three first-round picks or something outrageous, would you be willing to move on? Mm-hmm. And I think there's going to be an understanding that unless the Raiders get a package that they just can't deny, like something wild, two first and a second, something like that, I think Carr winds up playing his ninth year with the Raiders. And I know a lot of fans that don't like Carr are going to hate me saying this, but I just think that's the, that's the thought process of Mark Davis. Mm-hmm. He's going to sit there. He's going to say a lot of these things that happened to the offense were outside of Carr's control. Maybe he didn't play. Yeah, okay, he didn't play his greatest second half of the season. But the Henry Rugg situation, John Gruden situation, I can't pin that on Carr. He played well at the beginning of the season when everything was fine, when Gruden was in place and Henry Rugg was on the field. Carr was playing at his best. Mm-hmm. It didn't unravel until until all these things started happening away from the field. So I think that he has a sit down. He he decompresses and says, takes the deep breath. <sighs> okay, <laughs> I have a good quarterback. What are my options? Unless, again, unless a Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers is available, I think Mark Davis sticks it out with Derek Carr. Again, unless those two quarterbacks are available or he gets an offer he can't deny. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a fair scenario that may unfold. Uh, and, and, and then Derek Carr has to ask himself as an individual, as a player, am I willing to play out my contract in Las Vegas without an extension? Because does, does, to your point, Mo, does Mark Davis, if he commits to Carr next year... Does that mean he's going to commit to Carr for five years? Right now, you get in the NFL, you get the money up front mostly anyway today, right? So you're you're looking at a contract. They can structure a contract where he's going to get a boatload of money in the next uh, eighteen months, and then it tails off without much uh, risk to the team later on. But but is that something? That's the other thing you got to ask. Is okay, I'm going to commit to you in the short term as a nine year quarterback, but is Mark Davis going to sign the guy to a five year deal? I don't think he would sign to a five-year deal, maybe three, four. Mm-hmm. But I, I still think that if Car- let's say Carr agrees to a deal that's you know around thirty-five million a year, let's say it's thirty-four, thirty-three. I think a team like the Washington Football Team is going to be flush with cap space, would still trade for him even at that value. So let's say the yeah. Raiders sign him to a deal, you know, thirty-three, thirty-four million per year, and the Raiders draft the quarterback early, and they decide, you know, we really like this quarterback that we drafted, and Washington's like, we'll take Derek Carr for thirty-three, thirty-four million a year. Mm-hmm. And you know, because what do they have? Uh, Taylor Heineke. I know Taylor Heineke yeah. watched football team beat the Raiders, but come on, let's be serious. Derek Carr is a massive upgrade over Taylor Heineke. Of course, you know. So you're looking at that. And you're saying, well, let's sign Derek Carr to a deal that, if we decide to move on from him later on or in the short term, we could still trade him at that value because teams will always be looking for a quarterback. And if you can get a Derek Carr at a good value, you do it. So I, I think it's a situation where they have to remain flexible and fluid. Yep. And I know a lot of people will say you want to have commitment, but this is a business. And just like players are trying to maximize their value, teams are trying to maximize value in that player. No doubt. 
No doubt. Well said, Mo. Okay. We went really long in that segment. We needed to. There was a lot of discussion there, a lot of great stuff. Hope you enjoyed it. We're going to step aside for our final break. When we come back, we'll close the show with a shorter segment. We'll talk about the game tomorrow in Cleveland, what it means and how it may unfold. You're listening to the Silver and Black Today game day here on 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas, 1140 The Bet as well. Scott, Mo, coming back with you right after the break. Don't go anywhere, Raider Nation. Silver and Black Today, game day is on. Welcome back. Silver and Black Today, game day. Of course, the Raiders tomorrow take on the Cleveland Browns in that delayed game from Saturday. Mo, Moten, Scockle, Branson with you. Great conversation there in our long, extended second segment about the Raiders, their roster, and what we learned after the Kansas City Chiefs game. Now, Mo, in the few minutes we have left here, we're going to focus on tomorrow's game in Cleveland. Listen, I want to say this to Raider Nation. COVID is not a player on the field. Yes, the Browns missing players. We don't know exactly who yet as we are on the air right now, but uh, they might get some guys back. Um, the extra two days, the Browns get a chance to get some of those guys back on the field that were not positive but were in close contact. Mo, you wrote a, you wrote a piece up on VegasSportsToday.com earlier in the week talking about how the Raiders – um, despite the COVID disaster for Cleveland, uh, they still don't have an easy challenge, especially with their own demons and who they've been fighting, i.e. themselves. This game with the Browns, not knowing at this moment who is going to be on the field for Cleveland, it's still not a game the Raiders can take lightly when you've lost five of six. Right, and it goes back to my point I've said on previous shows that teams with an identity have an easier time getting over some hardships when they have a guy Missing here or there, the Browns play a specific brand of football. They're a downhill physical run team. So at the time, Nick Chubb had been fine. No, no, he hadn't shown up on the reserve COVID-19 list. It was Kareem Hunt who went on the list. And they had Dearness Johnson who tore apart the Denver Broncos when Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt both missed time. So the Browns still have two viable running backs who can run through the Raiders' run defense, which is not very good. One of the worst in the league, I believe 26 going into week, week 15. So again, the Browns have a have a strength that goes against the Raiders' biggest weakness, and that's their run defense. So uh, the Browns can still play a physical brand of football and get the job done. It may be a low-scoring slugfest, but they can still get the job done. And Derek Carr, as we talked about, just not having explosive weapons, Darren Waller out, can't really attack the secondary, even if the Browns don't have multiple of their uh, defensive backs on the sidelines. If, if they're missing multiple guys at safety and cornerback, is Derek Carr really going to be able to take advantage of that, which is Hunter Renfro? And you said at the top of the show, he's probably going to see a lot of double teams. That means somebody like Brian Edwards, Foster Moreau. Those guys are going to have to step up, and they haven't done so to this point. So you worry if they can take advantage of those weaknesses. So I still think the Browns would be a tough challenge, even if they're missing several players. And, Mo, you talked about the the lack of the running game for the Raiders, which I think has been a huge deal. Again, Josh Jacobs does not have a 100-yard game in 2021. The Raiders catch a break with the game moved from Saturday to Monday. Uh, the weather is better. Saturday, there was rain, higher wind. Uh, Monday, tomorrow's game, the, the forecast is for a high of 44. Around game time, it should be upper 30s with light wind. Uh, that makes a difference for a team that has to pass the ball. But when you look at the running game and Josh Jacobs, is that going to be the key to this team going out and winning tomorrow night in Cleveland? Is they going to have to get a good night out of Josh Jacobs? They're going to have to at least have some balance there. They're going to have to force the Browns to at least respect the run game. And that's going to be tough 
because you're going to have Miles Garrett on the field. Now, Jadavion Clowney tested positive, so we don't know if he'll be testing back in by that mm-hmm, time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean by tested back in is, you know, vaccinated players can have a negative test and then get back on the on the field. So Jadavion Clowney is a big key there because he's not the best pass rusher, but he is a great run defender. If he's on the field, it's going to be hard for the Raiders to run the ball. So Josh Jacobs is going to have to give the Raiders at least some balance. Uh, if not a hundred yard game for his first time, that at least again force the Browns to respect the run because the Raiders have had have been tough sledding passing the ball, so they really need that from Josh Jacobs against the Browns. Mo, with one thing we talked about, we we talked so much in that second segment about the offense and its deficiencies and what it has to do to move forward, including quarterback, running back, offensive line, tight end, you name it. Um, the Raiders defense, people were excited about this defense as uh, the season rolled on, especially early, because they they were a good middle-of-the-road defense. Something you and I talked about back in August in the preseason was, hey, all this defense had to do, based on what we thought the offense was going to be, of course, um, was a middle-of-the-road offense. They did that over the last four weeks. They've really fallen off, I don't think, because of their lack of talent, and they do. They need upgrades in certain areas, there's no question. But this team has played hard. They've gotten great play out of Yannick and Gakwe. They've gotten great play out of um, Max Crosby. Jonathan Abram at times when he's not in coverage has looked good. Uh, of course, uh, you have um, the, the the defensive backs. Yeah, exactly. And you have the linebacker core, which, you know, does well in certain spots. And of course, um, they, they've had Perryman out there who's done really well for them despite the injury as of late. Um, but they've fallen off. How big of a game is this? for that defense, meaning that, hey, they need some balance. They need some complimentary football so they can get a break. Yeah, it's it's tough because on one hand, you 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 do need your offense to move the ball to keep your defense off the field. Because, if you, again, if your defense is on the field for more than 30 minutes per game, they're going to be gassed by the second half. Now, that, that you know, I can't excuse the defense for their poor run defense, though. Mm. So for their Yeah, bo- true. Poor That's run been like defense, that all year. That that that's a problem. And what I'm surprised at is on paper going into the season before Denzel Perryman got there, people were saying the Raiders linebacking core is one of the best in the league. But I've just been disappointed with Corey Littleton. Yes. And a lot of it has been his his run defense. KJ Wright, eh, I mean, decent. I mean, nothing to write home about. Nick Nick Morrow, unfortunately, hasn't been able to play. I think he would have been a big boost to that unit. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, hasn't been able to get on the field. Really, it's been the front line and and Casey Hayward and Trayvon Mullen's been hurt, of course, and Tra- Trayvon Merrick has been okay in certain spots. Yeah, I know he did drop the interception, but he's having a decent rookie season. But I think a lot of it goes to Gus Bradley's weakness, and I've said this at the beginning of the season. He's, he's not good at designing run defense. For whatever reason, his run defenses aren't good. He's very good at dialing up pressure without, without blitzing, and that's a great thing. But he hasn't done enough to, let's say, the Raiders turn over their coaching staff. A lot of people said they wanted to keep Gus Bradley. I don't think he stays, and a lot of people advocated for him earlier. I don't. I just don't think his unit has done well enough to retain him, and I think that's that's what the players need to do going down the stretch. If Gus Bradley is going to be the guy again, his defense has to step up in multiple ways, or else he he's going to be out with the rest of the unit. And I think theoretically, most this is what happens most of the time is they wipe out the whole coaching staff anyway. But if you mm-hmm. have a defense that at least looks good and looks solid, you at least think about, hey, should we keep this guy because a lot of players are playing well under him. Yeah, no doubt about it. And Mo, as we get ready to wrap up the show for this Sunday, you know, I look at this game and I don't know how anybody, I don't care if you're a big Raider fan or not, uh, for those of us trying to be objective, I can't pick the Raiders despite the losses for the Browns from COVID because the Raiders have shown me nothing over the last five weeks 
that lead me to believe that they can win a football game. Now, do they have a better chance tomorrow in Cleveland uh, with those in, with those situations? Absolutely. But until the offense starts to score points and has some identity, I just can't pick them in a game right now. I, I'm not saying Cleveland's going to win. I'm not saying the Raiders are going to win. I just don't know because both these teams are in a little bit of disarray. Hey, I'll say it. I'm going Browns 2017. Wow. <laughs> so another 17-point game? <laughs> hey, I, another one, because as you said, the Raiders, I can't, I don't believe in the Raiders offense without Darren Waller on the field. If Darren yeah. Waller is not playing, Hunter Renfro, just not enough. I, it's just not enough scoring. So I think the Browns pull it out. I think they get some players that test back in and they, and they get a close victory. Well, and the positive of that Raiders get a better draft position for their new GM and coach to maybe make some selections. As we know, the draft hasn't been exactly very successful over the last three or four seasons so i'll have to do it mo as always man a pleasure i know we had to really shift gears change guests and all this stuff with both our shows this week uh but that's the nfl that's the 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 world we live in at this time but always a pleasure my friend being with you uh again here on the show of course gotta be flexible players gotta be flexible (laughs) i'm not getting on i'm not on a tarmac or anything but i had to you know move some things around but always do it for the for the audience absolutely don't forget to follow mo at m-o-e-m-o-t-o-n on twitter and of course read him up on bleacher report every week as well as vegasportstoday.com for everybody here at silver and black today game day i am scott cobranson we'll talk to you next sunday and we'll talk to you friday down in southern california on the mightier 1090 at 6 p.m take care everybody enjoy the game tomorrow night and And we'll talk to you going into the holiday next week.